And we know that uh, Moses is born and he's probably in the Pharaoh's house for another 40 years. And then he exiles out to uh, Median for another 40 years. So by the time he comes back to Egypt, he's already 80 years old. Of course, that don't mean nothing to these guys, man, because God was good, man. Kept them strong all the time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, Lord, and I just lift up all my brothers right now, Lord, that you would just cleanse our hearts, our minds, Lord, that you take away all the distractions of the day, Lord, because, Lord, um, we know we have many, Lord. And, Father God, that you would just uh, allow us to just focus on your word right now, Lord, and just have this sweet fellowship amongst each other, Lord, and just enjoy each other's company and fellowship, Lord. And, Father God, we know that you're going to speak through me right now, Lord, it's not me speaking, it's your spirit speaking through me, Lord. And uh, Father God, just let me just kick back and just listen to your study right now, Lord. Go before us, Lord. And we love you, Lord. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I, I, um, I call this study God's Plan of Deliverance Through Moses. This is the beginning of the deliverance of Israel and God spoke that God spoke about in Genesis 15, 13, and 14. Then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. And afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. God is so awesome. You know, sometimes it takes us to be afflicted a little bit, to get our focus right, to get us focused on, on God, the only one that could help us, the only one that could help us. Yeah. Uh, oh, Exodus chapter 2. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah, you should. Hey, weren't you here last week? All right. Man. Put you on blast real quick, brother. <laughs> Boy, you better show up. <laughs> now, before I was really interrupted. <laughs> Somebody didn't bring his homework. <laughs> it's all right, brother. I love you, man. Okay, this these first ten verses. Um, on uh, uh, okay, Moses on Exodus chapter two, one to ten. We're going through. The first 10 verses show how God is always working in the midst of his people for their best chances of survival. You can see God has a very creative sense of humor also and how he used the Egyptians to grow a nation from 70 people to over 2.1 million people. It's pretty awesome. They had, he had to do this. I mean, his, if we just go along with his plan and, and his purposes, I mean, we can't go wrong. Although it's, it's never easy, and it's not an easy walk when, when we become Christians, you know. We always, uh, we're always under persecution. I mean, I heard, um, I heard Hillary say that, um, that us Christians got to change the way we think. You know, this is going to be a rough world when she becomes president, if she becomes president. You know, and it's not looking too good for our boy right now, but you know, God could do anything. You know, we serve an awesome God. 
And we know that um, everything that happens to our nation is because we asked for it. Because we allowed it. This didn't happen all of a sudden, the way our nation is going right now. It was, it was a gradual thing. Gradual fall, taking, taking prayer out of schools, taking the Ten Commandments off the wall. All the things that bring, that, that bring, um, that bring you down to your knees, we take them away. And then we can't speak about God. Because if you speak about God, then there's something wrong with you. It's really gotten to be a, a, a sad, sad place and a sad situation. I mean, when you grow up in the 50s and 60s, like, like you know, a lot of us probably did, um, this is a different place. It's a different world. This is a different United States than we grew up in. And it's, and it's really sad. It's really sad that common sense no longer, no longer is... is, is common anymore it's just uh i mean all the stuff that's coming out on this lady and uh and people and she's still ahead in the polls <laughs> wow i'm just it just blows my mind it just blows my mind they have really dumbed down our children our generations after us and and it's not a pretty pretty thing okay back i'm sorry i get off track sometimes when i think about those things man I just feel for our nation. And how he used the Egyptians to raise and train the very one to deliver them. Of course, there's Satan and his plan to disrupt God's plan. The scriptures also tell us that they won't be the last time that he will try to disrupt God's plan. It parallels the the plan that Satan had to try to stop the birth of Jesus. In Matthew 2, 13 to 15, and how God used Egypt to deliver Jesus it appears that, that Egypt is always playing a vital part in God's plan in the survival of, his, of God's people. You know, Egypt's always there, you know, as much as they, they try to go, even right now, you know, they hate, they hate Israel. But I, I believe we read in the scriptures that they're going to be one of the nations that receive, that receive the Messiah in the last days and, and well, in the, in the thousand years. Some observations I made between the parallel of Moses' life and Jesus' life was he was favored by God from birth, miraculously preserved in childhood. He was mighty in words and deeds, and he offered deliverance to Israel. He was rejected with spite by his people and rejected in their right to be ruler and judge over Israel. The only difference in Jesus' The only difference is Jesus was perfect and Moses was flawed. And I thank the Lord that he uses flawed people because I wouldn't be sitting here right now because I am definitely flawed. And I'm definitely going through it right now. But you know what? God is good and he's going to get you through any situation that comes your way, man. It's funny. Every time I prepare for these, these studies, I sit at home and I, I, get, I get so much anxiety. Because uh, it's just like this is the hardest thing for me to do. I mean, I preach in the prison, and, and, and it's more of an evangel- evangelical type of teaching. So I'm, I'm just comfortable with that. But when I'm doing like a pastor teaching something, oh, man, it's rough. But you know what? He's good. And, he, you know, it's not my word. It's his word. And I just got to be that vessel. I just got to open my mouth. And it, you know, he says when you stand between before the people, just open your mouth. That's all, he, all he's looking for is willing vessels. 
Somebody he can use. One of the unique things of the character of the chapter is Moses expounds on his own birth. Because, you know, he wrote the book, of course. And we can rest assured that this is God's inspired word. Moses is just hearing dictation from God and writing it down. It's, it's, it's funny. It's like us writing a chapter on our birth. Writing a chapter on our mother and father, you know, and, and, and uh, expounding on it. And it's just, you know, because we were there, but of course we don't really remember. I don't remember coming on my mom's womb. I mean, do you guys? <laughs> I don't. But it seems like, you know, God speaking through Moses lets us, gives, us, gives us the whole picture. And as we start, verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. And, you know, it's, it's funny here. Moses doesn't even say his mom and dad's names. You know, we have to go to um, Exodus 6.20, and it gives the name of his mother and father. His father's name was Amram, meaning people exalted. And the son of Koath, the son of Levi. His mother's name was Jokbed, meaning Yahweh is glory. And she was his aunt. She was, uh, and both his parents were part of the Levitical line. You know, it's funny in those days, you know, I mean, those things wouldn't happen nowadays. But now in those days, it was, they had to, they had to, Levites had to marry Levites. The priestly line had to stay, stay pure. In verses 2, 3, and 4, we'll read it. Let me read the whole scripture and, and the whole ten, 10 verses, and then we'll expound on it. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would, what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her, mis- and her maidens walked along the river, the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she, she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. It's, it's, you know, it's such an awesome story because how God just goes full circle right here. You know, I mean, here, here Pharaoh, Pharaoh means to just take all the children out, try to just eliminate all the male children. And it turns out that uh, he brings the full circle back to the mother. And, it, and the story is so awesome, you know. And, and you know, it's kind of awesome how God works in that supernatural way, you know. 
and it's, it just blew my mind just 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 meditating on this on this on this these ten verses. So in two, three, and four, it says, "So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, a beautiful child, she hid him for three months." But when she could no longer hide him, she took a, took an ark of bulrushes, uh, bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. So you know, basically, she she obeyed Pharaoh's command, didn't she? She put the she put the put the child in the river, but. Um, she had complete trust in God. See, that's, that's the problem with us sometimes, you know, is trusting in the Lord. She had trust and faith in God that he would protect her son. In Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it blows your mind that all this turmoil going on, all these babies being wiped out. And here's Moses in the midst of all this. And the mother has him and she goes, man, I can't, I, I can't kill my child. And so she, she, puts him, she, she puts him in a basket. But in the meantime, you know, she's, she's probably going through all this anxiety. You know, my son, my son. But she makes sure that, uh, that he's taken care of. In, in Hebrews eleven twenty three, it says, by faith, Moses... When he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because he saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. So, you know, they were obedient, but they, they made sure that he was going to survive. God made sure he was going to survive. She had enough wisdom to construct a waterproof basket or an ark, as the scripture states. The, the material she used is close to home to me because I'm a roofer. And, and it says when she used asphalt and pitch, you know, we use pitch to 1970s on roofs, on rock roofs, because pitch was something that you can, that would melt during the summer and it would actually heal itself. Pitch roofs last a long time. And asphalt, you know, those big kegs that you put in the, in the hot pot, it's called asphalt, you know, so it's just, when I, so I read these things, I'm just, uh, I'm blown away. And this is the only other time you'll hear about it was here and then when, um, when Noah used it to, when he, when he built the ark. He says, it's funny how she used the same blueprint that Noah used for his ark. She figured if it saved Moses and his family, it could protect her boy. You know, it, it's just a lot of history with uh, the Hebrew people, man. They, they, they were in the word. They were, teaching, they were teaching their kids the word. And um, they never forgot. You know, this isn't far from Genesis, you know, I mean. This is like the about the 15th century, and um, yeah, everything's still pretty fresh as far as growing up into the word and, and teaching your child the word. It said Moses' mom had some insight as to Pharaoh's daughter, daughter's her daughter's bathing schedule. She put him in the river and made sure that he was upstream. She she kind of laid all this out. And she didn't stop there. She made sure Miriam, Moses' sister, kept an eye on him to see where he would end up. You know, it, it's, it's God working the supernatural and the natural. 
You know, all this is naturally being done, but God is making sure the currents are flowing. He's making sure that, that this child is preserved because um, God has, God has a, definitely a plan for his life. And just like he has a plan for each and every one of us in our lives, you know, he, he makes sure that he does the supernatural in our natural lives. I mean, I, it, for me to be at this point right now, not really teaching but sharing the word of God, is such a miracle. Because, you know, 21 years ago, I would have never thought that I'd be preaching the Word of God. I thought I'd be running the streets like I was for 40 years of my life. And here I am, you know, and it's it's just amazing how He has a plan for us. It's just when are we going to go along with the plan? You know, He, he doesn't mess with our... with, with, with what... Um, we're doing in our lives, but he he just has a he has a plan and he he goes through with that plan, but we have to say yes sooner or later and go along with the plan. He never works he never messes with our free will guys. But you know what he brings us to these points where he says there's something that's something that's always triggers off our salvation and when we actually come to the end of ourselves. And say yes to God. He, he does, there's always some, some kind of. And, and, and that's the point. Whether we're going to say yes. Or keep going in our ways. I remember when I was born again. My brother asked me one time. He said. Because he's a pastor. And he said. He said Don. Um, you know do you believe in God? I'm like oh yeah. Oh yeah I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh well I don't know. Jesus was you know, just a man. You know just like. Just repeating myself like a parrot, like like we hear all the time. People go, you know, you know, Jesus was a man. Yeah, I believe in God. I believe there's a God out there. And he, and he and he asked me, you know, so where do you think you're going to go when you die? Oh, I'm going to go to heaven because God God loves everybody. Everybody's going to heaven. And he says, no, the word of God says you have to go through the Son, get to the Father. And I, you know, you start. These key words, you start thinking, because I was deathly afraid. I knew there was a heaven and hell. And I was deathly afraid of going to hell because I knew that wasn't going to be a good place. I know we used to play around with our friends and stuff. We used to hang out and we'd say, yeah, I'm going to go to hell. We're all going to go to hell together and we're going to party. It's going to be a big party down in hell. And then you start reading the scriptures. And then you start seeing torment, burning, darkness. You know, and it doesn't sound like a party to me. It sounded like a place that really scared me. And I started meditating on what my brother said. And I said, okay, bro, I mean, tell me more about this, Jesus. And as we were going in and out and in, you know, I, and he's showing me in the scriptures, oh, yeah, but this was just written by men. And then he starts breaking everything down. And you just go, you just feel that the Holy Spirit just tugging. And it was time. Time. I was 40 years old when I accepted Christ as my, my Lord and Savior. And, uh, and I wasted a lot of time. But you know what? He's returned a lot of those wasted years. God is good. He puts you on an accelerated course when you get saved late. You know? It took maybe a, it took maybe a year and a year and a half before he, you know, I dove in it. I dove in the, the missions and started, you know, going out on the mission fields. And I just always wanted to be in the background. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll just, 
you know, help put things up and put things down. And then he goes, no, 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 no. You're going to start, uh, you're going to start preaching the word of God. Ah, no, Lord, I don't want to preach the word of God. He goes, no, no, you're going to. And then Archie says, hey, Don, why don't you get involved with the, the prison ministry? Oh, okay. I, I guess, you know, maybe I'll just go in and like sing worship or something and, and allow somebody else to teach. And then you get involved and he takes you out of that comfort zone. God is, God is so good as taking us out of our comfort zones and putting us up there. Just saying, no, trust in me. Just like these parents did. They put, they put Moses in that river and they trusted God would take him from there. You know, the guys go out to, to orphanages. They're always going to Mexico. And, and, and you know, I remember when we first started doing that, I mean, I, the first time I went to Mexico when I was in the world, man, I, such a bad experience. I said, man, I ain't never coming down there in the world. <laughs> never will come to this Mexico again, man, because it was, you know, when you're in the world, you're in there partying, and the next thing you know, the federalities got you. And, and then it becomes pretty expensive to get out of there, you know. And I said, I'll never go there again. Then I got saved, and here I, you know, I go, we go three, four times a year. And, it, and I love the Mexican people. I love going out there serving. And, it, and it's, it's a whole different world when you become saved. Because no longer are you in that party mode. You're in that uh, serving mode. And you're serving the people. And Moses' mom here, she had so much insight on what to do. She was listening to God. She, God was directing and guiding this whole thing. He was orchestrating the whole thing. And she was just following along by faith. In verses 5 and 6, it says, Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. What do you think? Her dad would have done, you know, if she knew that if he knew that he was she was saving a, a Hebrew child. I mean, she might have. See, that's why all of a sudden, here we go. We know that you know that God's sovereign. His hand is all. His hand is in all of this. That he had made the currents take the ark very close to where Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe. In Proverbs fifteen, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Keeping watch on the evil and the good. And as she saw the child weeping, she couldn't help but fall in love with him. You ever see women with babies? You know, here this little guy's in there, and then I'm sure he's, ah, and she looked at him and she said, wow, they just melt. I always, we do too, though. You know, we see babies, man, and we're like, man, what an awesome kid. And what an awesome miracle. Now, God puts things together. You know, we, he, he works on our hearts. And if you don't have a heart for people, man, you, you can't be a very good Christian. You know, don't even call yourself a Christian. Because it's having a heart for one another. Having, having, having that compassion on your brothers and sisters. When we go to Mexico, I mean... You see the children, they're so happy. They're running around. They're playing, they're playing with marbles and jack, you know, things that we played with when we were kids because we didn't have all the technology that, that kids have nowadays. And it's, 
And it's, you know what, it's refreshing to see that. And they're having the fun that we did when we were playing, playing those games. And, and now when you, when you see our kids, so, you know, I, I hate to say it, but they're very spoiled. You know, and, and we enable them a lot. And we got to kind of hold back sometimes. But it's hard because we want them to have a better life than we did. We want them to have stuff that we couldn't get or we didn't have. And that kind of is a double-edged sword. Because then they, they start to uh, not appreciate things like they should. And when we, uh, when we see little babies, man, it's just like, okay, what's this baby going to come out to be? And we just... Uh, we just meditate on those things, man. We just meditate on kids. I love kids, man. You know, I wish if I was a rich man, I would have had a whole bunch of them. But, you know, things go, sometimes we go the other way. And I was too old. When I got a little financially secure, I was too old to have babies. So we went out and adopted one. So, <laughs> yeah, we got. That's how we got Vernon. Vernon came into our lives, but what a blessing he was. He is. In verses 7, 8, and 9, we have then his sister. All of a sudden, look at, all of a sudden, she gets this baby, this weeping child. She's looking at him, and all of a sudden, boom, here's Miriam, Johnny on the spot. And she goes, hey. She goes, and when she when, and then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, "Shall I go and call a nurse for you?" Because she's she's looking at this child, but the last thing she's thinking about is, "How am I going to raise this child? What am I going to do? This child needs to be, you know, nursed. This child needs to be brought up. He needs to be taken care of." And Miriam's such an awesome little girl, you know, awesome sister. Moses owes her a lot, though. You know, and she just being used by God. She's right there, Johnny on the spot. Hey, I, I know what to do. She says, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women? And that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter's going, hmm, man, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah, why don't you do that? And, Mar- and Marion had the, the perfect solution. So it came to pass that Moses' mother was able to nurse and raise her son. How awesome is that, guys? How mo- it's just it's going this way. Okay, my daughter's going to die right here when, when she can no longer uh, hide him. Why couldn't she no longer hide him? Because now he's, he's, he's about three months old and he's well and... Ah, ah, you know how they are. You got to go, man, shut that kid up. And he's well, his lungs are, are very good. It's kind, of a, it's kind of funny how when he got older and God wanted to use him, he said, I can't talk. <laughs> he was screaming here, but now he can't talk. Can you go get Aaron and let him talk for me? It, it, it's funny how God, how, how God uses us. I mean, I would probably have been like Moses. Hey, you know what, God? You know, um, can I go get my big brother and, and allow him to speak for me? Because sometimes, you know, we just have a, we have a hard time speaking in front of people. But, you know, that's the way it goes. And um, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is that what we're doing, guys, with our children? 
Are we training them in the Word of God? Because when we see all these dumbed-down children nowadays out there, you know, wanting Bernie Sanders, wanting socialism, wanna, wanting things that we know is, is bad for this country, and, and, and they're, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I, I see these guys on the, you know, they, they're interviewing kids on the street, and they're, they're saying stuff that I can't even believe. I mean, they're, they're sold out. That's why we as Christian fathers, they, God tells us to be priests of our home. He says, I, I, see, I see all you guys on Sundays, and that's a good thing, you know. Because, you know, there's a lot of fathers going, yeah, honey, you go ahead, you and the kids go to church. I got a couple games I got to watch. That's just not the way it is. We need to be the ones getting up in the morning. We need to be the ones getting our children ready for church. We need to be the ones leading them out. Because um, who do they look up to? Most of all is, is us. I mean, we are their role models. We better be their role models. Because there's a lot of bad role models out there, you know. Here, you know, I hear uh, Obama's wife say that uh, she wants she, she wants her kids to be like Beyonce, with goat's heads and everything. You, you see, it's funny, you know. There, all this hypocritical stuff going on nowadays out there, man. It's just, you know, people are throwing stones, man, and they need to be looking in the mirror and throwing them stones at themselves. There's one thing good about Michael Gill, Michael Jackson's song, The Man in the Mirror. You need to look at that man and you need to you need to be raising your children in a godly way. You know, and, and you know, some kids I, I see I know a few pastor pastors' kids or kids that grew up in the church, they've strayed. But nine out of ten times they, they come back. You know, and, and and it's because the father did the right thing. It starts with us, guys. I, I tell that guy, I tell that to the guys in the prison all the time. You know, the reason why society is all jacked up now is because there's no fathers in the homes. You know, the fathers are in jails or they're, they're just running amok out there. And it's up to us, guys. God has put it on our table, on our plate, to be the heads of our houses, to train our kids, to raise them in the Word of God. And you know... <laughs> You can't go wrong because, you know, what happened, you know, after Pharaoh, Pharaoh was in the house. I mean, uh, Moses was in Pharaoh's house for 40 years. But I know the parents were teaching them where they came from, teaching them the Hebrew laws, Levitical laws. So when he was in Pharaoh's house all the time, deep in his heart, he never forgot where he came from. Because as soon as he was 40, it was out there in the street. He sees a couple of Hebrew men fighting and, and his heart goes out. He goes, hey, guys. First, he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, kills him, buries him in the sand, thinks he got away with it. And then sees a couple of brothers fighting. He says, guys, why are you fighting one another? You're supposed to be brothers. And they rejected him. So he split. But the thing is, he already had the, had the love for his people. It was there. And the only way it could have been there, because by the time, say, when the mother gave, gave him back to Pharaoh's daughter, maybe he was, what, maybe five, six years old. You know, he was all weaned off and everything, so he gives it. And, you know, you can be influenced a lot. And then he was all the way to 40, 35 years in, in Pharaoh's house, and he still was grounded. 
He still hadn't forgot where he came from and who he was. I mean, we realize we call him Moses, but as we read in chapter 10, he didn't get that. It wasn't his Hebrew name. We don't even know what his Hebrew name was. It was the name that, that Pharaoh's daughter gave him because he, she drew him out of the water. That's what it means. And um, I just believe it's just so important for us as fathers, as, as priests of our home, to always keep our kids grounded and always watch what we're doing because our kids mimic us. When we say what we do, I think sometimes it's the smallest things, man, and, and they'll get in your face, man, and say, hey, Pop, Vernon always does, hey, Pop, so wasn't, that, wasn't that wrong to do? Yeah, son. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was wrong to do. And I got to go clean it up and take it up. And he goes, and you know, we can't be hip- hypocrites. We, gotta, we can't just talk to talk. We better be walking the walk, guys, and taking care of our households because it's, it's very important. And this was all for the survival of Moses, how God was always interjecting himself in the life of Moses. In Genesis fifty twenty, it says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save my people alive. He made sure that Moses was preserved, because he was the man. He was the guy he was going to use. And how many of us has God have a purpose for? If we, stop, if we start to step out of that comfort zone, when we get that urge, say, maybe I'll sign up for the usher ministry. Maybe I'll sign up. Oh, but, but you know, that's on a Sunday and, you know, I, I want to do this. Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, when, when, when you get that urge, that's the spirit drawing you. That's the spirit pulling you from that comfort zone, pulling you out of that pew. Don't just sit in pews on Sunday. Don't just come to the studies on Tuesday. Get involved, guys. We, we need to get involved because when I go, we go out in the outreaches, I mean, we have, it's usually the same, same people, guys. We start to see new faces now and then, but basically the core is the same people. We need to get out there, guys. I mean, and then our children will get out there. Then our children see us walking the walk because it's very important. It's very important for us to walk the walk, guys. We are the priests of our home. Don't forget that. Because that's very important in, in our household. How we treat our wives. How they see us praying. How they see us serving. You know, how they see me, how my boy sees me get up on Sunday morning and, and, and get up. And, you know, a lot of times I don't want to. But you know what? If I don't, I lose blessings. If I don't, God will use somebody else. And I just think about that. I go, no. I got to get up because Satan, Satan does not want us out there, guys. And he's always going to put distractions and he's always going to put roadblocks. And we need to just go through those roadblocks. We need to say, no, I'm going. I'm going to get it done. And when you come back, man, you feel so blessed. Not because of, of, of some monetary thing or material thing. It's just because you feel blessed in your heart. That you're serving the one and only and true God. The true and living God. There is no other, guys. In closing, Psalm 139, 13 to 16, it says, 
For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that your, my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. And when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance. But being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me. While we were still in our mother's womb, God had that purpose already for us. And it's just about us stepping out in faith and allowing him to do that purpose through us. It's just, it's a no-brainer, guys. I mean, he's called us out. Every single one, every single guy here, he's made us accountable. As soon as you hear the word of God, I tell that to the prison, to the, to the inmates all the time. As soon as they hear the word of God, they are accountable. No longer can they say, I didn't know. Or who told me? Or I didn't know about Jesus. No, every single one of them is accountable. Every single one of us is accountable to God. You know, there's just no way around it. When you're being called out, you need to step up. You need to come out of that comfort, sto- that comfort spot. And you need to stand before the, the people and preach the gospel, guys. That's all he's called us to do. It's his word, you know. And nine, it says, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. She got her son. She got paid for raising her son. (laughs) That's that's where God's sense of humor comes in, you know. And then not only did he raise, did she raise him when when he she gave him back to Pharaoh's daughter. They raised him and they taught him and taught and, and, and schooled them in all the finest things. So he's very educated. And, and, and little did they know that the, the plunderer, how they were plundering their people. He was going to come back and plunder them. They left with riches, guys. They left with everything. And they, they're the ones who raised Moses. But the mother and father made sure that he was grounded. He had a foundation. We got to make sure our kids have a foundation. And the child grew and she bought, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. You know, guys, just like God had a plan for Moses life. Like I was saying, he has a plan for ours. It was faith that gave them courage to do what the parents needed to be done. They believed in God, believed in a God who was greater than Pharaoh, who was more powerful than their problems. Do you think God is not big enough for your problems or handle your problems? We serve a big God, guys. And he's and he's all he's just looking, he's waiting for us to come and and speak to him and tell us what what our problems are. And whether they're Little or big, we serve an awesome God. And he wants us to come to him. He wants us to have that conversation with him constantly. Because that's what brings us closer to God. We have the conversation, and then he gives us an answer. Sometimes we don't like the answer, but he always gives us an answer. They believed in a God who provided for their needs in ways that they didn't always recognize. We don't always recognize what God does for us. 
But you can guarantee he's doing everything for our good. He always has our best interest in mind. Even though it doesn't look like it sometimes, guys. You know, he always has our best interest in mind. Their God could prevail over evil in ways they couldn't even imagine. Just another way God works the supernatural in the natural. They simply turned it all over to God and trusted in him. And God is in control, even when we can't see it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for just getting me through this, Lord, and just being my strength, Lord, because I am so weak, Lord. And Father God, just have your hand upon my brothers out there, Lord. And as they go home, keep them safe, Lord. Just bless the women's study, Lord. Bless Xavier and all the pastors here, Lord, to just how we sit under such awesome teaching all the time, Lord. And Lord, that we are without excuse when it comes to serving you, Father God. So go before us today, Lord, and have your hand upon us. We love you, Father God, and we thank you for everything that you do, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.